0: Father in heaven, we again are just very grateful for your mercy and grace towards us. As we are now about to study again, Lord, we just need your presence even greater still. The saints are tired, but we still desire you, Lord. Please give us the energy and the focus so that we can understand what your spirit is saying to us right now. Father, the the end is near. We see all the signs. But the reality of our wicked heart does not want to believe that there is an end to this world. Please, Lord, have mercy on us. Do something special for us now in these last few moments that we have together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have your Bible. We're going to quickly, because I only have about 30 minutes, we're going to quickly lay out the general controversy that is in the scripture. All right. We're going to do it fairly quickly so we can come down to our last point for this evening. In Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, and we're going to begin at verse number 1 there. Revelation 12 and verse 1. You have it, just say amen. Amen. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried travelling in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon having how many heads? Seven Seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Question. What is a woman in Bible prophecy. Church. How do you know? Alright. Jeremiah 6.2. What was the other one you said, Other. Alright. Isaiah 51.16. You can also go to Ephesians. Chapter 5. Verse 23 and on. Alright. So that lets you know that a woman is a church church equals woman in Bible prophecy what about this dragon what is a dragon in Bible prophecy the devil well how do you know that Revelation 12 12 verse what I'm sorry Revelation 12 verse 9 alright let's go to Revelation 12 and we're going to read from verse 7 through 9 and it says and there was war in heaven Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed what? I mean, beloved, I wish I had more time. But that idea that he does not prevail is so serious. He prevails not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth how much of the world? All right, so we have a woman that equals a church, then we have a dragon that ultimately, in its primary definition, is the devil and Satan. All right? Now, you guys know who the devil and Satan is, but the Bible says that he used his tail. What is tail in Bible prophecy? False prophets. Okay, false prophets and lies. What What lets us know that? Isaiah. Isaiah 9. 9 very good Isaiah 9 15 very good Isaiah 9 15 again we're just laying out a premise or a principle that you guys already know but we're going to tie some key things together Isaiah 9 15 it says the ancient and the honorable he is the head and the prophet that teaches what the prophet that teaches what? Lies, he is the tail. So we know that a tail equals false prophets or lies. So the dragon used lies to deceive one third of the stars. And you already know what stars represent? Stars represent angels. angels. And we find the evidence for that in. Where do we find evidence for that? Revelation 1 verse 20. All right. Everybody follow? We're doing this very quickly because I only have so many more minutes left. Revelation 12 verses 7 through 9. All right. So the devil uses his tail, lies, to deceive one third of the stars and gets them cast out to the earth. And now we see that this dragon is cast out to the earth and he's not happy that he's down here. Amen? Amen. Now watch carefully what happens in Revelation chapter 12. Actually go to John. John chapter 12. And we're going to look at John chapter 12 and verse 31. John chapter 12. And beginning at verse 31. John chapter 12. And beginning at verse 31. When you have it just say amen. Only one person has it. John chapter 12 verse 31. Amen? Alright, here we go. It says, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be what? Then it says, and if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw how many men unto me? Lord. Now think, I need you to think. Here we go, here we go. If the prince of this world is cast out. First of all, why is he called the prince of this world? Why does he rule in this world? What gave him the right to rule in this world? He Adam to sin. All right, he calls Adam to sin. What principle? What biblical principle, since he calls Adam to sin? What verse can we say that allows us to now transfer rulership from Adam to Satan? Dominion. Dominion. OK? What verse? I'll help you because we run out of time. Romans 6:16, the Bible says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So when Adam takes the fruit and he bites the fruit, all that dominion and honor and glory that he had, now he subjects it to Satan. Remember now in Job, the men, the sons of God go to meet. And Satan says, I'm here, planet Earth, representation. And God says, wait a second, you you don't represent planet Earth, Elder. I have a servant down yonder, his name is Job. He is the rightful representative of planet Earth. Satan says, no, he's not. See, Job only serves you because of the loaves and the fishes. Because of the blessings. I wonder, don't raise your hand. How many of you serve God because you're blessed? Hope we don't serve him because you are blessed. I hope that's not the case. Because what happens when you have identified that your blessings have gone? Do you still will you still serve him? I pray your answers are strong now. That's what you know, that's what Peter said. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. The blessings are there, we praise them now, but when the blessings are, quote unquote blessings are gone, then oh. Well, maybe I will compromise. Now, the rightful representative is Job because God says, have you considered him? He is a just and perfect man in all his ways. He eschews evil. Satan says, doesn't he serve you because you pay him? Aren't you, isn't he rich? Right? Yes. Now, when we read John chapter 12, verse 31, it says, now the prince of this world is cast down. That means all the accusations and the things that he has been saying against God's chosen people are no longer relevant because now there is a new representation, a new ruler in town. You follow me? You ever play King of the Mountain? Y'all don't know what that is? No. 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 <laughs> all right. When you're young, you know, you stand on top of a hill and your young friends are at the bottom of the hill and they run up the hill, try to knock you off the hill. You guys never played that? Yeah, I yeah, did. Yeah. Now I remember. You, you, now you remember. Thank you, brother. Say you remember. Now I remember. Praise the Lord. So that's, that's king in the mountain. You run up the hill trying to knock somebody off the hill. So what happened was at Calvary, listen carefully, at Calvary, Jesus knocks Satan off of his perch. Jesus now becomes the rightful ruler, not only because he's the creator of the earth. But now because he's also the redeemer and has lived a perfectly human life without sin. Now he's the rightful ruler. Now what happens now is go to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. Revelation 12 and verse 10. Notice what this Bible says here. Now we're doing all this to build a case. Revelation 12 and verse 10. Notice what the Bible says. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is what? Cast down, which accused them before our God. How often? Day and night. night. So in Revelation 12 and verse 10, what we actually see is the casting down of Satan a second time. We see first he's cast down from heaven. Heaven's round one and he loses. Then at the cross, round two, and he loses and he's cast down. No longer can he stand there belligerently accusing the people of God of their sins. Because now we have a great high priest. Amen. Amen. But it says now has come salvation and strength. But why strength? What is found in the sanctuary? Go to Psalms 96 and verse 6. Psalms 96, verse 6. Elder, when you find it, I want you to read it for me. Psalms, Psalms 96 and verse 6. Watch, watch what is found in the sanctuary. Oh, I got you, <coughs> Go ahead. The six. Psalms 96 and verse 6. What does it say? Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Strength and beauty are where? so when Jesus rose from the grave and began to be a high priest he actuated or he ignited or started what we call the heavenly sanctuary put it in process and now because he's made that sanctuary available to us we have such a high priest that has entered into the veil so now we go by faith into the sanctuary to receive strength everybody follow the idea now at the cross Satan is cast down In heaven, Satan is cast down, and he prevails at no level in any one of these circumstances except now in Revelation chapter 12. Notice what it says in Revelation chapter 12 and beginning at verse 13. And when we begin to read verse 13, you're going to see something very interesting. Verse 13 says... Actually, let's go back to verse 12 before we go to 13. I want to look at verse 12 very quickly. Verse 12 says... Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Well, why does it say rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them? Because we ain't got nothing else to do with Satan up here. You got that? Rejoice. All the angels have made a final decision. We want nothing to do with Satan. Rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe unto the heavens of the earth and the sea. Is that Right? That's what it says, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having what kind of wrath? Great wrath, wrath because he knoweth he have what? Short time. Hmm. It seems as if Satan is smarter in regards to prophecy than we are. Because he knows he has a short time. What about you? He knows he has a short time. Verse 13 says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth. He persecuted the what? Woman Woman which brought forth the man child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. That she might fly into the wilderness. Into her place where she is nourished for a time. Times and a half a time. From the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. That he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Now we're going to pause for a moment. I'm going to write this word on the board. I'm going to write the word wilderness. How long is the woman there? Time, time, time. and a half a time. All right. And I don't have time to go into what a time, time, and a half a time is. But I'm quite sure you keep coming to this church, they're going to break it down. All right. Time, time, and a half a time is three and a half years. Or prophetically, 1,260 years. Okay. That's prophetic time. 1260 years. Who ruled? Who has supremacy for 1260 years? Prophecy. Papal Rome. Papal Rome. Now watch this. Watch this. Go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. And look carefully at verse. Oh man. There's so much I want to read. Let's look at verse number 19. Daniel chapter 7 and verse number 19. Notice what the Bible says. It says. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast. Which was diverse from all the others. Exceeding dreadful whose teeth were of iron. And his nails of brass. Which devoured breaking pieces. And stamped the residue with his feet. And when the ten horns. And, the, and, the, and of the ten horns that were in his head. And of the other which came up. Before whom the three fell. Even of that horn. That had an eyes and a mouth. That spake very great things. Whose look was more stout than his fellows. Verse 21. I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and what? Wait a second. In heaven in heaven Satan did not prevail. At the cross Satan did not prevail. But when it comes to the papal power for three and a half years the Bible says that the papal power prevails. Now, there's a reason. I love God because he doesn't leave me blind. Yes. There's a reason why someone has the ability to prevail against the people of God and not prevail against the people of God. You tell me. You are smart Bible scholars. You are wonderful students of the word of God. Why would Satan be able to have power over you? Tell me. Give me something. Because he's given the power. Okay, because gave given the power, Yes. We are weak, but this is not the exact answer. Yes. Okay, so this process is for to know who is truly for God and who is not, but why does Satan prevail? Yes. Come on, brother. we commit different power. Come on man. do you hear what he said? If listen, there is no safety if you are practicing sin. because if you practice sin then you give dominion to Satan you come under his rulership if you are not connected with the heavenly sanctuary of strength then you are not able to fight against and resist the power of the enemy are you following me for 1260 years the papal power hid the truth of the heavenly sanctuary listen 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 I don't want you to miss this. For 1260 years, the papal power hides the reality of the heavenly sanctuary. So Luther comes on the scene that says, the just shall live by faith. There is only one intercessor between God and man, and it is the man Christ Jesus. There's only one. So Luther points them back to Jesus, the high priest. Now, he may have not thought he was teaching sanctuary, but everything that has to do with salvation is found in the sanctuary. Now, listen to me carefully. At the end of three and a half years. Ooh, ooh, let me stop. Let me ask you another question. Is there a story in the Bible? Old Testament. Is there an Old Testament story that has to do with three and a half years? Yeah. What story is that? Elijah. Elijah. Now listen, listen to me. Elijah goes and stands before King Ahab. He says there's not going to be any rain. And then Elijah disappears for three and a half years in the wilderness. This Elijah does not come back out of the wilderness until three and a half years are finished and there is a showdown. There's a showdown. Do you realize as I've been studying this thing and I've been walking it through, do you know that Jesus in 1844 sought to raise up the Elijah? Do you realize that? The Elijah, the, the, the Elijah message, if you will, pointing people back to the realities of the heavenly sanctuary in the most holy place. 1844, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be what? Cleansed from what? Sin. Oh, you said the last part real soft. Sin, sin. sin. Under 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed from sin. If sin is removed, then God's people now have power. You're not hearing this thing. We have been on this planet an extra 166 years because the people of God have failed to enter into the most holy place and allow God to change them and make them overcomers. We are here because of rebellion on our part, beloved. The world is getting more wicked and more rebellious because the Seventh-day Adventist church has failed to enter the most holy place. There is no other church. There is no... Listen. There is not one other single solitary church that can preach the most holy place. Amen. Nobody else knows that Jesus is in the most holy place making final atonement for sin. Bringing sin out not only of a building but out of our hearts. Nobody else teaches that. And if the world gets more wicked and more rebellious it's simply because the people of God are wicked and rebellious. Because we do not receive the blessing that he has intended for us to receive. It is sin that separates us from God. But listen to me, beloved. (laughs) At the end of three and a half years, the papal power goes into the wilderness and then so forth and so on. But let's let's not go there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to draw something on the board and I have no time. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put NSL. That means National Sunday Law. And then I'm going to draw this on the board. I'm going to draw the cross. I'm going to say something to you that you may or may not understand right now, but hopefully you go back and think about it. The cross was a cruel invention of Satan to stop Jesus from dying. Because Jesus was already dying. He was already in the Garden of Gethsemane, already sweating drops of blood. He was already dying. The cross was designed to stop Jesus from dying. Do you know what they were saying to him on the cross? What did they say to him? Did they say, Yes, Jesus, keep dying on the cross? What did they say to him? They said, Come down from the cross. Come down. If you come down, then we will believe you. Come down from the cross. Come down from the cross. Do you think this was humans talking? These were men actuated by demonic spirits. And the demonic spirits were saying, Jesus, come down. Come down from the cross. These people are not worthy. They're not worthy. Come down from the cross. The cross was a cruel invention of Satan to stop Jesus from going through with the plan of salvation. Now, listen to me. The National Sunday Law is a cruel invention of Satan to stop Seventh day Adventists from demonstrating the character of God. Listen to me, man. When this National Sunday Law hits, it's going to hit. Because God says, I'm going to let the winds go and I have a faithful few who will stand faithful in this time frame. Amen. If you see the storm approaching as I've showed you throughout this day, if you see it coming, it clearly says that God is developing a people. And he says, watch. This is, what, this is what he's saying. He said, you know, there's a, there's a quotation. I, I'm not going to get to this thing. There's a quotation that talks about the third angel's message is justification by faith in verity. And I looked up the word verity. Verity means in realness. Yeah. In truth. So I, I, I talked to myself. In verity, in truth. So this is what God does. He says, Satan, just like he did for Job. I'm going to show you what righteousness is. And I'm going to let this people seem as if they cannot see or feel me. And when I let them do this, I will stand back and say, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they. You see, Jesus is actually pointing. When I see that verse, I don't just read it. I see God pointing and saying, here are they. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Well, why does it say the commandments of God? If you read Revelation chapter 12. Look at Revelation chapter uh, chapter 13. Look at Revelation 13. or 12. Is it 13? Yes. Revelation 13 and verse. Revelation 13. No, no. I want you to read Revelation 13 and verse 10. Watch what verse 10 says. He that leadeth into captivity must go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and what? Uh, Why doesn't it say here's the the patience and the commandment keepers and faith of the saints? It just says here's the patience and faith of the saints. This phrase is being used during a time frame of the 1260 years when the people did not have a full grasp of the Ten Commandment law. But now in Revelation 14 verse 12 it says here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God because now they have entered into the most holy place and they have beheld the law without covering their eyes. Man, come on. You, let me give you another example. Moses, do you realize Moses went into the most holy place? Yes. And I, I'm not talking about the tent. I'm talking about the mountain. He goes right up into the mountain, gets the ten commandments from God, comes off the mountain and his face is shining. You know, the Bible says fear God and give. Well, you can't give glory because you have no glory to give. The only way you can give glory is if you've been in the one that has glory. You have to be there. You have to be in the presence. And then when you leave there, you're leaving not with your own light. You're leaving with his light. You're giving glory back to him, his character, his law. And you can only get that if you're in the most holy place. Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. You and I are supposed to already be done with this world. But like Israel of old, we like Babylon. We like the leeks and onions of Egypt. We're comfortable down here, man. We like our nine to fives, we like to take care of ourselves we don't like God to take care of us we don't see him we can't touch him so we don't trust him we like it down here let's be honest just be honest let's just, let's just be real we like it down here man we are at ease my dad when I was little he told an illustration I never forgot he said you take a frog put him in regular water turn it up ever so slowly, the frog doesn't jump out of the pot. But if you take a frog and you put it in boiling hot water, the, dog, the frog jumps out right away. Satan is smart, he did that just to us. Put us in a pot and just got that mug on, on, on simmer. They're cooking us. Comfortable. And all the while, while we're comfortable, we say we love you. J- oh yes, praise God, praise God. And our money tells the reality that we don't trust God, we trust ourselves. Where's your where where is most of your money spent? On yourself. Just be honest. God 10% maybe if my bills are paid. Let alone 10% on top of that for offering. And let us not be like the old, the old Jewish group where they gave 25% of all their income to God. Wow. It's estimated between 25 and 32% of everything they had, they gave it to God. Because they said, God, I realize that you are my provider. Amen. You know how Elijah lived, right? Elijah lived on the word of God. Yes. Mm. The, the God said, I have commanded the ravens to feed you and they fed him. God says, I've commanded the widow woman to feed you, and they fed him. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by how many words? Every word. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Here's my question. And we're gonna end here. You see, when this Sunday law comes, you know when I was little, I was I've never really been afraid of the time of trouble. But I have friends. Who are just petrified like they are afraid of the crisis. But this is not something to be afraid of. Because if God allows it, that means he's going to empower his people to go through it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's it. Now, let me ask you. And I I don't want you to answer with your mouth. I don't want you to answer with your mouth. I want you to think and pray and answer. Jesus is saying, are you willing to go through this crisis for me? See, salvation has got so twisted now, we only think is, am I saved, am I saved, am I saved, am I saved? That's selfish, man. The question is, will you say, Father, I will go if you send me through? I will go. If you send me, I know you will keep me. Father, I will go to Calvary. That's what Jesus says. Not my will, but what? This is the question. This is the question. I'm not going to make any. I want you to talk to God about it. And be real about it. Father, you want me to go to the cross for you? Do you want me to go through this national Sunday law crisis? Do you want me to go through the time of trouble such as man has never seen before? You know, back in the, back in the, the, the 1260 years during the early church when people became Christians they knew that if they decided to become Christians their life was on the line. Persecution kept the church Pure. You a Christian? Oh, really? You a Christian? Wait, you have a Bible? Send him to jail. Put him on the rack. Tear his skin off. Take his baby. Stump on the baby's head. You're, you're a Christian? You, you believe Jesus is the only way? Fanatic. Put a dunce cap on him. Have him hang upside down. Pull his joints out of his body. Persecution kept the church pure. But now it's just a fad. It's just one of the things you do. Beloved, I'm asking I'm begging you. Take your walk with Jesus to the next level. Yes. Say, Father, I don't just want to be here. I want to be on fire for you. Amen. I want to be on fire. I want from the inside out. I want everything I do to be such that people see me. They see Jesus in everything I do father take me to another level please please father he is more than able to do this he is he so desires this and I can't wait oh beloved I wish I could share more things but I can't wait until you know that in heaven you know how people like to wear jewelry well what God is going to do when he has his children come it's like his jewelry it's going to show us off say this is, this, is this is my boy this is, this, is my, this is my daughter. He's going to fight in all over the world and say, these are the children. These are the ones that I have died for. He's going to go all over the universe. Yeah. Wow. These are the children I've died for. And when we get there and all this pain that we have now, we won't even, it's gonna be, the prophet says it will be hard for us to even bring up the trial when we get to heaven we're going to be like we did go through a time of trouble but heaven is cheap enough. <laughs> heaven is cheap enough. We need to ask the Father to teach us how to take our eyes off of this wicked world and place them up there on heavenly things. Heavenly things. How many understand the word of God this evening? Let me see your hand. Sabbath is the symbol of, the, of Sabbath has come to a close. But we need not begin our own works. We can still rest in Jesus. Amen? Amen? In these few moments I just want you to just sit or kneel, whatever you prefer in silence for a few moments and I just want you to talk to God. Just talk to him. Talk to him about you and your heart. Who you are, where you are, what you're going to do. Of the crisis that is ahead and just plead with him, ask him, Father, will you please use me? Can you use me? Is there anything in my life that hinders me from being used by you? And after a few moments of silence, then then I will pray. Father in heaven. the question is how shall we stand in that great day father there's no good thing in us at all nothing to commend us to you nothing to brag about if the books could be open right now we would be disqualified but praise your name for Jesus Thank you for his blood For the sacrifice that has been made The mediation that is being made For not giving us what we deserve But giving us what Jesus deserves Oh to think what your son deserves Your son deserves glory and honor He deserves praise and thanksgiving At the name of Jesus every knee shall bow every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord Father we bow now because when they bow then they will be forced we bow now because we truly Father want you to rule our lives to take the stony hearts out Father and give us hearts of flesh to purify us Lord from the inside out to make us clean Help us to love your word, Lord. To study so, so, so intensely. That the words themselves become a part of who we are. That we reflect the realities that we have spent time with you. There is no better place to be than on our knees before you. Help us to remember this, Lord. Remind us to talk with you and to walk with you. To cry with you and to sing with you. To love with you love. To hate what you hate. Link our minds with yours, Father. Help us to do our part. We are so selfish, Father, it's crazy. We even do religious things for selfish reasons. (coughs) thank you lord for hearing our prayers and hearing the hearts of each each one before you lord our need cries out better than our words could thank you for loving us when we were unlovable we pray all these things in the name of jesus and we claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood amen